You can be seated. And we are going to jump into um, our study right here. By the way, let me get my timer down. things. I know we don't have enough tables. Um, we'll make sure we have more next week, okay? Um, I want to say hi to you, and uh, I know that there are people watching online, um, and uh, I say hi to all of those out there, too. We, um, it's been a, a long time, been waiting to, to do this. I've been I, I, it's been a long time since we did a we did our seminar we did a seminar on this um, very subject. Um, a lot of new things have happened since then, and uh, and I really believe that this is going to be a great time for us together. The Bible tells us in First John chapter three, in verse twenty three, beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Eschatology, the study of end times, it is when we look forward to Christ, when we have an anticipation of someday seeing him face to face, that transforms our life. It sets us on, a, on the right path as we look toward eventually seeing Jesus. And uh, we live in a day in which um, it is getting closer. In fact, it's interesting. The book of Hebrews tells us that, that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as, you know, especially as you see the day approaching. In other words, as you see us coming closer to the time of the Lord, it's more important that we fellowship together and uh, that we gather together. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means the church has obviously uh, the ability to see things starting to happen that are appearing, the appearing of the Lord is coming sooner and sooner. And that's what is going on uh, for us. So here's my desire over our seven-week time together. Um, I'm going to give a comprehensive, clear understanding of end-time prophecy. In order to do this, we'll, we'll have to undo some things, probably in some of our thinking. Some of the things that, Lord, we take, the, you know, that we take it for granted in Scripture, or we assume that we've gathered, so that we can discover just exactly what the Bible has to say about this. I know every teacher says that. But what we're going to actually do, much of our time is going to be actually reading Scripture. We're going to allow the Scripture itself to dictate the direction of, of, uh, of how we for formulate our concept or ideas of end-time prophecy. We're going to use visuals. We'll have video. We won't be having any video t tonight. We have um, 
but um, we're, go we're going to take an approach. Here's my goal, is that when you're, we're done at the end of our seven weeks, not only will you know kind of what is going on in the world and its relationship to Bible, Bible prophecy, but you'll have such a grasp of Bible prophecy that you'll be the one seeing it happening all the time, okay? And I'm hearing a lot of uh, the background in my, it's just doing whatever it's doing. Maybe uh, I'm getting hand signals, so. <laughs> Is it okay up there? I'm just getting a lot of um, noise up here. Okay. Um, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to, as we start today, I, I want to open up. We're calling this Cosmic Clarity. Actually, I've been writing on this for several years. And it is a key to unlocking, really, it's, a, it's an alignment key placed in plain sight in Scripture in order to eliminate the foggy confusion often brought to end-time prophecy. As I've been studying, I've been studying this now, uh, prophecy, well, over 40 years. And I, all of a sudden, as I was studying this, it just, at one point, it just kind of like a burst of, whoa, you know, the light bulb went on. And I was looking at the, this portion of scripture that seemed to be coming, uh, coming up over and over again. And each time it did, it gave me insight into kind of the order of things in Bible prophecy. And so we're going to take a look at this biblical time frame, this key to biblical time frame in the last days. And once the key is used, and we're going to start tonight on that, uh, things start falling in place. So this is what I, 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 some of you are very familiar with Bible prophecy. In fact, I know some of you here that it's kind of a hobby of yours. And some of us here, it's, it's new. We don't really know, you know, we, we don't have a, a real grasp of how that all works. What I'm going to ask of you is I'm going to actually dare you to look at the scriptures with fresh eyes, to take a look at it for the first time as we go over these scriptures without putting in your, you know, the end of the, the chapter before we get there and let it speak for itself and see what God does. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. I want to thank you, God, that for every person here tonight, Lord, we have so much to be grateful for, and your word is so rich. I pray that you'll teach us tonight. Lord, your word is, uh, Lord, it gives us such insight, not only into our lives, but into our future, and we don't want to ignore it. So we pray you bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I kind of can warn you in advance that the popular view, the current 
popular view about end times and the way it's structured um, is going to be challenged. And I also want to kind of emphasize this. We as Christians all believe one thing about this. Jesus Christ is coming back. Do you agree with that? That is a non-negotiable. Jesus Christ is coming back. Salvation is by faith, through, by grace through faith. It's the work of God on the cross. Salvation is the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel, the good news, that he, he died for our sins. He was buried and rose again. These are the things we fellowship around. How we view how the end time scenario comes down never is to reach the point of causing any kind of break in fellowship. That, that is not, it's not a, it's not an essential in that way. So some of you, as we go through this, are going to change your view of things. Some of you won't. But we, the, the point is, in our church, at the Cornerstone, we have people with all kinds of different views of how that is all going to go down. In fact, probably none of us have the, exactly the same view anyhow. But, but the point is, it, is, it does not determine our fellowship. And I, I say that, I'm not going to say it anymore, but that's, that's the key. The, the, the other thing I'm going to say is, one of the keys for us over this time period to really get it, um, to, to, to make this class exciting, is you have a question paper. And every week, we would like you, if you have a question, to please write it down. We're going to collect them. If you have a question, anything to do with, with uh, what we're teaching, Bible prophecy, it can be even in another subject of Bible prophecy that you have. Or if you want to challenge me and say, Rick, I don't believe what you're saying, and this is why, let me know. We're open for that. That, that will make our class really exciting because if I can get your questions um, and know what, what you're thinking, I'll be able to make sure I cover all the, the subject matters that you have and put in as much as you want. You don't have to put your name on it. If you feel like I'm going to pick on you, if you ask a question, don't worry, I won't. Don't need to put your name on it. If you want to, you can. It's not an issue. Okay? Okay. Cosmic clarity, let's explain it. Let's take a look at this cosmic event in Scripture that's so important. It gives us this eschatological understanding. If you can understand this cosmic event, where it fits, then you're going to start to line up everything that you have, everything that you need in the Scriptures on end times. If you don't get it at first, just hang around. Because as we go over it and over it, it'll start, to just it'll start to clear up for you. Okay? The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 13 and verse number 9, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and, and he will destroy its sinners from it. 
For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud, and I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I want you to notice this cosmic event. Go back just that, to that. The stars of the heaven and their constellation will not give light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause to be, its light to shine. That event is repeated over and over in Scripture. And if you can find where it fits, you can line it up. It's one event. It's going to happen at a time in history, this one event. So the cosmic event, Day of the Lord, are somehow linked. This verse says, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, and then it tells you, it tells you this cosmic event. You see, there's a linkage between the day of the Lord, that phrase, day of the Lord. Everybody say day of the Lord. Day of the Lord and this cosmic event. Now, I'm not telling you, and you already have in your mind, some of you, uh, about this, what the day of the Lord is and, and, how, and where that is in, in biblical time frame. Um, but we're going to let it build based upon the scripture that we're, we're sharing. In Mark chapter 13, in verse 23, it says, Take heed, see I have told you all things before. It said, Take heed, look, I told you all things before, but in those days, after the tribulation, say, after the tribulation, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars of heaven will fall, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, in this, as this cosmic event again is being explained, there's an addition, and in periodic times, there's little additions. The Bible does this all the time. We'll describe something, and then, then another, like one gospel will describe an event, another gospel will describe the same event, but add little details based upon the writer. This event is, the addition is that the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So it's not just the stars, but the powers of the heavens. See that, that, that connection. Luke chapter 21, and... Um, in verse 24, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive. Now, Jesus is telling us, he's given us a picture of some things that are happening. What would this be the signs of his coming and the end of the age is one of the questions. When is this going to happen? Referring to the temple. So he says, he tells them that they're, they're gonna, they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. He's telling them the Jewish people are going to be led, led, led astray. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. 
So there, I'm going to show you a chart in a minute. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars and on the earth, distress of nations. With perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now we see this cosmic event again. We, he says that, you know, there's signs, there signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, and he gives an end time scenario. Um, it looks like, and uh, it looks like the sequence is the Jews will be led away captive into all nations. Jerusalem is going to be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Then there will be signs, the cosmic event, distress of nations, perplexities. This, this uh, time Luke adds waves and roaring, men's heart failing them for fear, and, and the expectation of things coming, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Um, would you put up the, the next um, chart for me? Put up the first chart. The first shot basically is giving us a time frame of, of the end times. Is that the, our very first chart in there? Okay. Um, and what, is, what, what we're taking a look at, and I, we won't, um, we'll go further into this um, and later on, but what we're looking at is a tribulation period. It's often referred to, it's a, it's a set, 70th week of Daniel, it's the last seven years, uh, and, and it's called the tribulation. And what I want you to see is, remember, it, uh, the, the, the scripture says, after the tribulation of those days, right? He says, after the tribulation of those days, what's going to happen? Well, after the tribulation of those days, we're going to see the start, the um, uh, the, 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 the cosmic event is going to take place. Look at Joel chapter 3. Look at Joel chapter 3 and verse 13. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, go down, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow. For their wickedness is great. The multitude, multitude in the valley of decision... For the day of the Lord is near the valley of decision. The sun, the moon will go dark, and the stars will be diminished their, their brightness. So we see again this connection. Go back to the, to, the, to, to the cosmic event. The cosmic event is after the tribulation. We will see it again, and it's connected to the day of the Lord. It says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 20, the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome, what is that? Okay, now we get a time frame here. He says, he says the, 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 the sun is going to turn dark, the moon is going to be like blood, it's going to be dark, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Go, go to, to that um, chart again. Go back. Go back to the previous one. I want you to see the cosmic event is after the tribulation. But this com com it says it's before the day of the Lord. 
And you're going to see this over and over again. It's after the tribulation, but it's before the day of the Lord. Now, some of you, your brain, you know, is, is starting to short circuit. Because you've always equated the tribulation with the day of the Lord. That they're the same thing. And I'm going to show you they're not. Okay? Joel 2.31 says, The sun shall be turned in darkness, the moon into blood before the coming and great and awesome day of the Lord. So this event happens before the day of the Lord. But take a look at the next... Uh, at the next, uh, there's something else that takes place along with that, and I'm going to take a look at the, the great terror that is about to come and the times of the Gentiles. Remember, we, 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 uh, um, we read about the times of the Gentiles will come, and there's going to be, the, then this, there's going to be this great event that's going to take place. Um, if you look at Matthew 24, 29, it says, read this with me, immediately after the tribulation. Say that with me. Immediately after the tribulation. He's given us a time. When is this event, when is this cosmic event going to take place? Immediately after the tribulation of those days. The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will will fall from the heaven. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with the great sound of the trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Chart. Okay, so there's, there's this great event that is coming. It is going to happen after the tribulation period. It says that it, it, it happens before the day of the Lord. And then in this scripture right here, it says that there's the coming of the Son of the Son of Man is coming. Jesus is coming. Now, I'm not going to give more than that. But Jesus is coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He's going to send out his angels with the sound of a trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. Okay. So there is a gathering. Jesus is going to be in the clouds. There is a trumpet sound. That's all part of what's going on. And I don't need to give more than that right now. But it shows this, that the cosmos event is immediately after the tribulation. It shows that the cosmos event is before the coming of Christ on the clouds. It tells us the cosmos event is before Christ sends his angels with the great sound of the trumpet and gathering of his elect from the four winds of heaven. So, it says immediately after the tribulation. My question is, how soon is immediately? It seems to be very soon. 
immediately. It, it, the, the word is used because it is close. Revelation 6.12, it says, I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. Now this is also, and I'm telling you that this great earthquake is a, it's a time key as well. As the cosmos of, cosmic event is a time key, uh, is, a, is a time key for us. The great earthquake is a time key as well. In fact, if you can take the seal judgments and, uh, and the bowl judgments and the trumpet judgments uh, in the book of Revelation and line up this great earthquake with those events, you'll find that that the final event of all three of those is the same thing. It's this great earthquake. And there's something that happens at, at the point of this great earthquake. It actually helps you to, um, to be able to interpret the book of Revelation better. It actually helps you to, to get the alignment of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is not just sequential. It doesn't go you know, from chapter 1 to the, the end just sequentially. It actually does what all Bible prophecy does. You can, as you like read the book of Daniel and so forth, you'll see that Daniel will have a vision, then he'll have another vision, and the second vision will be the same as the first vision, but they, they look completely different. The dream, you know, Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the statue, and, and each, each part of that statue represents kingdoms. And then he'll talk about the beast, and he'll talk about the lion and the leopard and so forth, and they actually overlay each other. They're a different view of the same, the, the, the same scenario. And you can do that in the book of Revelation in the same way. We'll, we'll, we'll take time to do that later on. But it says, now he says, look, I looked when I opened the sixth, so behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair. The moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it's shaken by the mighty wind. Then the sky receded like a scroll. Now it's adding something. When it's rolled up, and every mountain and island was, uh, was moved out of its place. This is what the earthquake did. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks and in the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb, for the, the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? I want you to see Go to the next. Um, there is a, a great day of God's wrath that is coming. And the cosmic event happens before the great day of his wrath. Now I want you to see this because the, the, it says that the, that, that the people, the kings and so forth, 
when they see the sign of the coming of the Lord. Now, when they see him and see the sign of the coming of the Lord, they cry, you know, to the hills and mountains and so forth, the rocks fall on us. Because they do not want to face what is coming next. And what is coming next is so terrible that they... Now, I, I want to say that this is not what happens at the beginning of the tribulation. If you look at the three seal judgments, um, you know, the, the, the Antichrist kind of comes into power and so forth. Those aren't things that the people, the world is going, oh no, rocks fall on us, we're going to... In fact, the opposite is the case. As they're being emboldened by the Antichrist and all that goes along with that um, starts to happen. So what, you're, what we'll see here at, the, at this point is as we're building that the day of the Lord is sometime after the cosmic event. There's this great terror that is going on. So there's, there's a great earthquake. There's a... The, um, there's this fear, this terror, and this, the, 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 this fear of the great day that is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. And, uh, and, 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 this, and these events are happening after the tribulation. Now, we'll... we'll Look at this a little bit further. So, so the cosmic event happens after the tribulation, but before the day of the Lord. Conclusion, the tribulation and the day of the Lord are not the same. And we'll see more of that now. From the earliest of, um, of biblical times, the idea of a Savior Redeemer the idea of a physical resurrection has always been the faith of God's people. It's always been the faith, the faith of God's people. I mean, you go back to the book of Job. Job was a contemporary of, of Abraham. I mean, he's, uh, Job is, was probably the first biblical book written. Even though Genesis, Moses wrote, Dating, you know, he went back and, and wrote history. Job, actually, the writing of Job was probably the first book in the Bible. Job wrote this For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh, I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold not another, how my heart yearns within me. You see, Job anticipated his own resurrection. He anticipated his own resurrection. He looked for the resurrection, and that was, in fact, all throughout history, the Jews the Jewish nation, the people of God, looked for the resurrection. Give me the next slide. Okay. Oh, I, go, 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 keep going. I, we'll we'll catch, up, catch up to where I am right now. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I was really behind, wasn't I? No, keep going. There's something terribly wrong here. Okay, there we go. The someday resurrection. For 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 you know, a lot of time of church of a uh, of uh, God's people, they looked for the resurrection, but they didn't know when. They start. They started to. It starts to kind of unfold. Daniel gets more insight to it in Daniel chapter twelve and verse uh, eleven. As we go start looking at the resurrection, it says, "From the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be one thousand two hundred ninety days." We're going to go into this. Uh, further later, but blesses he who waits and comes to the 1,309 days. But you go your way till the end. He's telling Daniel, for you shall rest. And then he says, and I will rise, I will arise, you will arise, will arise to your inheritance in the end of the days. The end of, and that's the right translation, of the days. That the day of your resurrection is going to be the end of the days. Now, what is the end of the days? It's not the end of days. It's the end of the days. It's what Martha referred to. In John chapter 11, verse 23... Jesus says to Martha, remember Lazarus has died, go see Mary and Martha, and, uh, and Jesus is trying to comfort them, and, uh, and he says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Notice she has already this concept of resurrection. And she actually obviously sees the same thing that God had told Daniel, that, that he would rise, the resurrection would be the end of the days. The end of the days. Um, look at um, 1 Corinthians 15, 20. It says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one to his own order. Christ the first fruits, after those who are Christ at his coming, at his coming, at his parousia, then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom of God, the Father, and when he puts an end to all rule and authority and power. See, the end comes after his coming for those who are his. This is called the resurrection. The resurrection. And it's on the last day. Luke 14, 13 says, But when you give a feast and invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. What I want you to see is 
things are starting to add up here because what you have, um, go to the next slide. On Resurrection Day, you'll, you're going to see there, it's the end of days. It's at the last day. The angel shouts, the trumpet, the rewards, and the punishment all are on Resurrection Day. 1 Thessalonians, it says in chapter 4 and verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Here's a question I have for you, just to kind of mill around. Why do the dead have to go first? Why can't we just all go together? I mean, it happens in the moment, twinking of an eye, right? Why is it that the dead go first and then those who are alive? Then, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus shall we always be with the Lord. Now, the dead rise first. This is a resurrection. I, the resurrection is dead people rise and alive people rise who are in Christ. The resurrection is dead people rise and alive people rise. Dead people go first. Live people go second. So Daniel talks about this in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. At that time, Michael shall stand, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of the people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never have since there was a nation, even to that time. And then at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book, many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to everlasting contempt. Now, I want you to notice this. Go back to that uh, previous um, chart. Um, both rewards and punishment happen on Resurrection Day. Rewards and punishment. Resurrection Day isn't just punishment or isn't just rewards. Both happen on Resurrection Day. Do you see that in the, in the scripture we just read? Some to everlasting life and some to everlasting contempt. Th these are those who, who, many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth, those are dead people. Some to everlasting life and some to everlasting contempt. Notice at the time of the resurrection, both the righteous and the wicked. Keep that in mind. John 5, 28. Do not marvel at this. The hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear the voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Notice again, the resurrection for the just and the unjust are at the same time. Time. Revelation chapter four, chapter twenty and verse four. 
And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for, for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast, his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. This is the first resurrection. The first resurrection is at the end of the tribulation period. The first resurrection. You need to understand. That's the resurrection that we've been talking about. When they, was, when they were looking for the resurrection, when Job was looking for the resurrection, when Daniel was looking for the resurrection, it was this resurrection that is re being referred to in Revelation chapter 20. Um, so take me to chart number two and number three. Do you have those? Okay. And then give, give me number three. Okay. There's a resurrection and the resurrection in the last day. This is, let's take a look at this phrase, last day. Now what I'm taking you through is different words used specifically to describe a day. There is the resurrection day. Now I want you to see the last day. John 6, 39 says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up when? Raise them up when? At the last day. So he says, I'm going to raise them up at the last day. Why does the scripture use the word last? Last day. Because it's literally the last day. From that day forward, there's no day or night as it's shown in Revelation chapter 21. Verse 23 says, The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Okay, he's talking about the city of God and uh, from the throne of God. The light of God's glory shines now on the earth. The nations, those who are saved, shall walk in its light and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. This light shines and, it's, and, and, uh, and there, is no, there is no night. It's just light. And it's the glory of God's light. Now, I don't know how that all works out, but that's the last day. The last day then enters into the millennium in which the glory of God shines his light. And I believe that's why it refers to the last day. It looks like, it looks like the cosmic event, the sun darkening, the moon darkening, the stars not giving its light, becomes a permanent thing. That's what it looks like. Now, John 6.40 says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him 
may have everlasting life, life, and I will raise him up at what? Thank you for helping me, the three of you. Okay, John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the? That's it. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the... And then John 12, 48. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him, and the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. You kind of getting it? What happens on the last day? Let's go to the chart. Okay. So you have resurrection day. You have the last day. And the last day, you see that there's reward of the righteous and the wicked. And we see that they're raised on the last day. Okay? Now... We see both of them happen. Now, the last day is not to be confused with the last days. The last day is not to be confused with the last days. Because we are in the last days. We're not in the last day. We are in the last days. And how I know that, because the last days started a long time ago, actually. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, the Bible says, and this is on the you know, day of Pentecost, um, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, and your sons, your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. And he's quoting from Joel chapter 2, and he's telling us that this is what will happen in the last days. He, and obviously, that's not a one-day event. That's not something that is, is happening throughout the, the time period. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says, God has spoken in these last days to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. So the context actually gives us the plural of it. It is the last days. Now, so is there a chart after that? No, there isn't. Let's go to the next one. It's called the day of vengeance. The Spirit of the Lord has come upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty of captives, the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And what happened when Jesus read that in Luke chapter 4? He closed the book. He closed the book before he finished a verse. Why would he do that? He did that because he came to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's a, that's a year of jubilee for all of us. We live in the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book because the next verse is when he comes back and the day of vengeance of our God. See, the day of vengeance, the end of that verse is going to be fulfilled when Christ comes back. The day of vengeance. Notice the difference. Accepting the, the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance. For the day of vengeance 
It says in Isaiah 63, for the day of vengeance is in my heart, God says, and the year of my redeemed has come. Isn't it interesting? He says, it's a day of vengeance for this year of my redeemed. Because, because God has redeemed us. You know, when Jesus died on the cross for us and rose from the dead, he redeemed us. And we, lived in, we live in the day of, of the redeemed. We live in the time of the redeemed. So, look at the chart, five and six. So, we have the, the resurrection day, the last day, the day of vengeance. It's just one day at, at the day of vengeance. It's just one day. And then there's the great day. Jude 1.6, and the angel who did not keep their position of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting change for judgment on, what is it? So when does a great day happen according to that verse? It's a day of judgment. See, it happens, it's in change for judgment on the day, great day. So it is judgment day. The ven- day of vengeance is judgment day. The gra- and the angels that are bound, they're going to be judged. See, the day of judgment is one day. Think about that. Now, I. Now, some people say that, in fact, it can't be a day because. The judgment, judging, you know, all the people would have to take longer than a day. And I would agree with that, right? In fact, if you take the current population of the world, it's seven billion, seven and a half billion, just at seven and a half billion, and you judge one person and they only get 60 seconds to, you know, for God to honor you for all the good things you did, 60 seconds, and then to judge the wicked, only get 60 seconds to judge them. 7.5 billion people, it would take 14,269 years if you did it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's over 13,000 years past the millennium. So it would take quite a while. There's no doubt about that. And then if it's been conservatively estimated that there were, there's been 105 billion people who have lived on the face of the earth. So do the math. At 60 seconds a person, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, it would take... 199,771 years. So, I propose that the only way judgment can happen if it's done simultaneously in a supernatural time frame. Thus, the day of the Lord. Either that or we wait nearly 200,000 years before everybody gets judged. Now, I know we have plenty of time. 
but there is a lot of stuff that's supposed to happen right after Judgment Day, so I don't know how that would work out very well. I think God has no problem. Judgment will happen instantaneously. That's the way it will work. It is the day. The day. Whenever the word day is used, you have to assume first 24 hours. You, that's the first thing you assume. There has to be reason not to believe that it's referring to a 24-hour period. Revelation 16, 6.17 says, For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? The great day. It's also called the day of wrath. It's, it's a great day of their wrath. Revelation 16.14 says, they are demonic spirits that perform signs and they go out, out to the kings of the whole world to gather them to battle on, say it with me, the great day. What's going to happen on the great day? The kings of the whole world will be gathered to battle on the great day. We actually know when that happens, when Jesus comes back. Because this is all going to take place in a valley that, 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 uh, that is going to, you know, the, 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 the skin will melt off their bodies. The, the blood will go up to the bridle of the horses. And, um, there's a mass of, of flesh in which there is a feast that comes right after that. And, uh, yeah, there's a great feast. After that, it's the, the, all the fowl of the air are supposed to arrive there and have a feast. And God is sending that. Um, some believe it's possible that that is, in fact, the marriage supper of the Lamb. You say, that doesn't sound like a very good supper. It's the... <laughs> And it might not be. We might have a huge banqueting table that handles about, you know, 10, I don't know, 10 billion people. I don't know how many saved. That will be, be quite a banquet table. be amazing. So, um, Zephaniah 1.14 says, The great day of the Lord is near. It is near the haste. And hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There is mighty men shall cry out. The day is a day of wrath. There it is again. The great day is a day of wrath. A day of trouble and distress. A day of devastation and desolation. The day of darkness and gloominess. A day of clouds and thick darkness. A day of trumpet and alarm. Against the fortified cities and against the high towers. You know... Um, the, when the Bible refers to the rapture, it refers, there, there are two things that happen when it refers to the rapture. There's a trumpet and there's a great shout. The shout of the archangel. Those two things, by the way, the shout and the trumpet is a war cry. When they went to war, they, they blew the trumpet and they shouted as they went to war. This is a war cry. God is, is gathering his people together because there is going to be a great war cry. The, the day of vengeance is in the day of the Lord and the great day and the day of wrath is all the same day. It's a day in which there is judgment that is happening 
on, on those who have rebelled against God. And the, the tribulation period, it, there's quite a few things going on, but one of the main things that's going on is God is squeezing out every last possible soul that can be saved. That's what I believe is happening. In the tribulation period, every last possible person that could come. And there's going to be a lot of things that's going to drive people to salvation during that time. And, uh, and I believe God is getting ready to have the greatest harvest that we can, we've, ever, we've ever had. And as we get closer, Joel, who talked about this cosmic event, said that there is going to be a former rain and a latter rain. Peter quoted Joel when he referred to the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the early church walked in such tremendous power and authority. Miracles happening in, in, you know, not that miracles don't still happen, but miracles were happening at, in, in, in uh, what we'd say in extreme cases. The Bible even said that about, you know, Peter, that, you know, there was exceptional miracles happening through Peter, that even his shadow went by sick people and they were healed as his shadow hit them. In the last days, God is bringing us back. That's what's happening. And there's, gonna, there's a former rain. We had the former rain. That happened on, when, on the day of Pentecost and in the early church. And there is going to be a latter rain, an outpouring of the power of God. And we can anticipate seeing more than we've ever seen before in all of history, all the way back to that that, that former rain in the latter rain. And when people talk about revival, I believe, I believe revival is coming. I think, I think the world's getting worse, and I think the church is getting more powerful. And we haven't seen what it's capable of yet in our lifetime. And so it says... The day of trumpet, the alarm against the fortified cities, against the high towers, I will bring distress upon. I will bring distress upon um, men. They shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust, and their flesh like refuse. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to, to, to deliver them. In the day of the Lord's wrath. The whole land will be devoured. G- give me the chart right after that verse. Okay. So we see the resurrection day. We see the last day. We see the day of vengeance. We see the great day. Angels judge. Day of wrath. Battle of nations. A day of trumpet. Clouds. Darkness. Day of the Lord's wrath. All happening. Listen. They're all coming. They're converging at this one place. And uh, so now it comes to the day of the Lord. Let's take a look at this phrase. Everybody say day of the Lord. Okay. This, this, I think this is misused so many, uh, in, in ways that I think help, uh, hurts our understanding of end times. There are 28 references in the Bible 
And in every case, it refers to a specific day. Now, I understand in language that you can say, use the word day and mean a time period. You, you know, I, in my day. You know, people will say that, in my day. Well, what is my day? Well, it's a, it's a time frame. You know, we don't really, it's kind of generic, but it's kind of in my day. It usually means when I was a teenager and I was young and, and vibrant and I wore crazy looking clothes and had long hair. But that, that was, you know, my day. And, and you know, and, and actually the word, the, the Hebrew word can mean that. But, but it only means that if the context um, warrants it. It has to be clearly warranted for you to assume it's a in my day. See? And if, if, so as, as it is with the way we use the word even, you know, we talk about a day. Now, um, in, the new, in, in, in the references, both in the Old and New Testament, every time it's, it, it is, the context doesn't warrant a time frame. It warrants a day. And when it refers to the day of the Lord, it's not a period of time. It's not a seven-year period of time. It is a day. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, Thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the revelation is the revealing. This is when Jesus comes and every eye will see him. He will be seen. It's a revealing. And it says, and every eye will, you know, that, that, that the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord Jesus Christ. That you'll be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that sound a little bit like when you're judged? The day of the Lord Jesus Christ? That you'll be blameless in that day. Okay? Um, Zephaniah 1, 2 says, I will utterly consume everything from the face of the land, says the Lord. And then in verse 6 it says, those who have turned back from following the Lord and have not sought the Lord nor inquired of him, be silent in the presence of the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is at hand. For the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice and he has invited his guests. We talked about how the day of vengeance and the day of judgment, when that happens, there is going to be a feast. God says. Well, what he's doing is he's going to wipe out the enemies of God, those who've taken the mark of the beast. And we're going to talk about how they get there. How they get there. Because on Judgment Day, I want you to think about something. 
on Judgment Day, how do we all get there? On how do those who are going to be judged for unrighteousness, how do they all get there? I mean, do they start, you know, they get on their bike and start riding toward Jerusalem. I mean, that's where Jesus is coming. I mean, how do they all get there? And it's an interesting question. I think it, it has an answer. I think the Bible actually gives an answer to that. And, uh, and so it tells us in Revelation chapter 19, it gives us more insight into this. Because Zephaniah is talking about these invited guests that he has invited, prepared, preparing a sacrifice, and he's inviting the guests. The guests are the sacrifice. And Revelation 19, 17 says, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun. He cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds and fly, uh, that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God. And then verse 19, 21, it says, the rest, were, the, the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And that was Jesus it's referring to. And all the birds of the birds were filled with their flesh. So it's a, it's a dreadful day. It's a dreadful day. The day of the Lord is a dreadful day. And this is what happens on the day. And it says in Malachi 4, 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, if you be, read the book of Revelation, you'll find that the, the, the tribulation is divided up in half. The last, last half of the tribulation, it says that there are witnesses, two witnesses that God sends. And the two witnesses can be identified, Moses and Elijah. And, uh, and, uh, and, and Elijah, the scripture says, that they will live and they will die. They'll be killed actually after three and a half years of, of doing what they're doing and uh, as a testimony of Christ in the last days. So God will send Moses and Elijah back during the tribulation period. And and so Elijah comes before the day of the Lord. And when is he coming? Well, he comes in the second half of the tribulation period. Now, I know that John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah, but after John the Baptist was gone, John wrote about Elijah coming in the future, you see. So... Um, 1 Corinthians 5, 5 says, Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. The day of the Lord is a day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 1, 14 says, And also you have understood us in part. We are your boast as you also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. So the day of celebration, receiving rewards, is the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.1 But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, 
and they shall not escape. See, so the thief passage comes on the day of the Lord, and that could be confusing for some, especially if you don't see the day of the Lord in this light. You, you, you have a different view of that. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the, the, in the night, it says, in which the heavens will pass away, Second Peter 3.10. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, what happens in which the heavens will pass away with great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will, will be burned up. Not much seems like it could happen after that. Now, um, let me finish and then I want to give you a, a final. First Corinthians 1.7. So that you come short no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of the Lord. And Philippians 2, 16, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Now, um, show me the chart. So we have the resurrection day, the last day, the, the day of vengeance, the great day, and then show me the next one, the day of the Lord. And these all converge at the same point. It, I, it is also the same as the day of judgment. I won't be able to go into all of these. I, I, I will give you all these scriptures, though. Um, next week, I'll just... I'll give you, I know some of you are writing as fast as you can, and that's good, but um, I'm going to give you, um, I'll, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you these, these scriptures a little bit more, and I think, let me see how much time I have. I'm already out. Because um, what I wanted to do is each time we gather, I wanted to, to give you kind of an update. You know what's going on in Iraq right now, in Iran? Um, and, uh, and what the president is doing with Iran right now, it's, uh, there is something dramatic happening in Iran right now. Um, and uh, it's, I've told you this before, but there's been new, n new things that have come out about this. And that is that Ar Iran is having a spiritual revival at the same time that they're having all this, that, that they are promoting terrorism it's the fastest growing church in the world right now. And um, right now, Iran, uh, it said in the last decade, it has gone from literally a couple thousand believers to possibly close to a million. It is growing at a rapid pace. And they're distraught. They're, they're fed up with the Ayatollah. They're fed up with all of that. And, and they're the ones who are behind um, you know, the push for a revolution. And, and we know that that's going on. Our president knows that. That's something that our past president didn't support. And because he didn't support that, they suppressed them. They were able to suppress them. But at least now, that is understood. At least the people who are feeding him the information are, are doing that. But he's pressuring them, and 
He wants them, you know, he wants to, to get a, uh, a new agreement with them. He wants to keep them from getting nuclear weapons. And Israel is geared up because if they, they, they're talking about enriching uranium, and I think it's next week or in two weeks, I think, is when they are supposed to be able to start that process and they're go- they were supposed to announce that they're going to do that. Now, whether it's true or not, and they're just kind of trying to play the, the game of, you know, so that they can leverage something uh, to get something, we don't know. But the Ayatollah is totally embarrassed and he cannot move forward at this point um, to, to make any agreements because it weakens him. It makes him look like he's giving in and he can't do that because we're the great Satan and, uh, and you know, you can't bow to the great sa- Satan. So there's a standoff going on and it's significant because of this. Right now, Iran is the, it, they're the main player. They bully, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia. They pretty much bully all all the um, Muslim nations around, and they're playing a game to become the, you know, the powerhouse. But they can't be. Because biblically, biblically, they're not going to be leading Turkey is. And Turkey is pulling away, of course, from the West, and they are gearing up. In fact, everything's changing in Turkey right now. I was on a plane to Israel a couple of years ago, we actually stopped in Turkey, and uh, and there were a lot of Turkish uh, people there in the plane. One of the guys was a businessman that sat next to me, and as we we traveled, I talked to him about what was going on. He says, "I don't know that I'll be able to c- keep coming back to the United States." He has a business in the United States, and you know, and he could easily they can come back and forth. He says, I, "It's what's happening in my country is uh, we're going back into the, you know, the." We're going back into the dark ages. And in his mind, he can see that the goal is that the president of Turkey is really wanting, he has, I've told you before, he has stated that he wants uh, the old Muslim caliphate to, you know, the Ottoman Empire to be renewed. And he is, his goal is to make that happen. And his goal is to make that happen, you know, and, uh, and uh, to fulfill that, that dream that he has, and, uh, and they're working really hard to, to start doing it. They're completely controlling. He's taken over the government, stopped a coup that they tried to, to kill him, and that gave him more power once he was able to do that and control the entire military. He's, he's on the move. Now, he's not the Antichrist, I don't believe. I don't believe he is. But I think he's setting the, the stage. So when we're looking at world events... Somehow, Turkey is going to have to take the place of, our, of, of Iran, and, and Iran is getting destroyed economically. Right now, they're just, they're, 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 uh, their currency is worth nothing. You know, it's just going, it's, it, it's, the inflation rate is crazy right now. And so, they're going, the president is putting so much pressure on them, something's got to give in that, and whether it, it, it means that they decide all out, let's just go all out and go against Israel, which would be a stupid thing for them to do, but there's stupid people at the top, and we don't know what they're going to do, but 
they've been wanting to, and they have, they have 30,000 missiles in Lebanon pointed already at, at Israel. And, if, and they figure they can overwhelm their dome protection by just shooting them all. You know, you, you, you shoot out 30,000 missiles and something's going to hit, right? And uh, they actually have more than that. All together, I think in Syria and all, they have about 300,000 missiles. So they're, they're geared up, and whether they get backed up in the corner, something's going to take place. And you watch what's going on right now in Iran, and what you're going to see is Turkey's going to rise up. That's, that's the process. And whether they do go after Israel wholeheartedly and think, because the, what, what the, the experts are saying is, Iran doesn't attack by themselves. They don't attack from themselves usually. They use, they use their people in Lebanon and Syria and other countries to do the work for them so it looks like, you know, well, we didn't do it. And they, you know, it wasn't us. Well, Israel knows now that they are, they're gearing up for that. They're not going to let them have, um, you know, weapons of mass destruction. They're not going to let them have it. And uh, nuclear weapons are off the table uh, for Israel. So one way or the other, my prayer is that they have a coup in Iran, the Christians start taking over, and they get rid of the Ayatollah, and, uh, and the gospel gets spread in Iran, and then Turkey rises up, as I believe is going to happen biblically, and takes that role. And Turkey has the fourth largest military in the world. Now, you don't think about them that way. But they are, you know, they're in NATO. They're, they're like our allies. We're, we're sworn to defend them. That's not going to last, though. Not going to last. So that's my take on what's going on. So when you watch the news this week, um, you can keep your eyes open to something I think you'll see. So we're, we're establishing, and we'll pick it up. I know I gave you a lot of information. Is that, did, if I overwhelmed you, I am sorry. I just got to get it out, and then we'll, it'll, it'll, it'll be easier to grasp as we go further. But did you see? Did you see that there's a day? Did you see? Did you, did you notice that? There's a day. There's a day. And in that day, when that day comes, the righteous and the wicked will be judged on that day, right? Did you see that that day is after the cosmic event? Did you see that? Did you see that the cosmic event is after the seven-year tribulation period? Did you see that? Did you get that? Then you got what I wanted you to get. And we can build on that next week. Father, I pray your blessing upon each of us, Lord, as we look toward you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.